Welcome to Two Rivers Leadership Podcast, a conversation about leading as a team because a great team is always better than great talent. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Two Rivers Leadership Podcast. So glad that you joined us today. I'm Will Hampton. I'm so excited for this session number two because we're going to talk about the challenge that we face here in Binghamton, New York. And it's not just in Binghamton, New York, because the Bible says that we are to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have this mission as a church. There's only one mission. There's only one focus for the church as a whole, like every church in the world. Every body of believers has what we call the Great Commission. It's not negotiable. There's only one thing that we're doing with our lives now as followers of Jesus, and that is doing what Jesus commanded us to do. So if we're going to do what Jesus commanded us to do, then we have to be busy thinking through how to get that done. Jesus commanded us to do it, but he didn't tell us that, like he didn't give us too many specifics. So what he does, he asks us to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. He asks us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So I'm gonna let's talk about the challenge that we're facing here in Binghamton, New York, because we exist to see the world transformed by leading people to Jesus. So I think there's there's several pieces to the challenge that we need to face. The first piece of the challenge is the actual context of where we are doing ministry, and then this the second piece of the challenge is how we think about how we are doing ministry or what we are capable of doing in ministry. So let's talk about the first part of the challenge is to actually rightly identify what it is that we are facing. So I want to start with the story of David and Goliath. David is a shepherd boy. He's out tending his sheep. There's a bear that comes. David kills the bear. There's a lion that comes, and David kills the lion. David's out protecting his sheep. He's maybe, you know, I always picture him out there kind of like worshiping God and just developing this time with the Lord. And then David is sent to go see his brothers and bring them some food and then bring a report back to his father as to how the battle is going. And David shows up and he finds the Israelites. They're all hiding in behind rocks and in caves when they're supposed to be out like attacking the enemy. And David looks down and he sees this guy, this giant, which the best we can tell this giant Goliath is like nine feet tall, maybe more, maybe closer to 10 feet. And he's just a massive person. He's got a spear that's like the shaft of a bed. It's just this huge guy. And he's taunting the Israelites. He's calling everyone dogs, and he's telling them that he, you know, just bring your best champion. He's trying to call them out. And nobody is willing to go face Goliath. And so 
David, and what we see in the Bible before David goes and does anything, we see this really intense description of who Goliath is. We see the measurements of what he has. We see uh, kind of all of his armor. He's got an armor bearer. He's, he's like, he, we got this whole context for how intimidating Goliath actually is. And that's what we need to um, understand about our culture and what our challenges that we are facing because the, the church world has sort of made a few mistakes. The church world has not done a good job of contextualizing the gospel for the current culture. A lot of churches are doing what they did based off of a method of ministry that worked maybe 150 years ago. We, taught, we, we study past revival movements. People are looking at how these revivals happened, and they're saying, well, that's what it took to reach our culture back then. And then they just begin to do the exact same things today, 150 years later. The problem with that is that most of those strategies are built with ideas that assume a whole bunch. They assume that people know that the Bible is the foundation of our life. So one of the problems that we face in our culture today is that people do not believe in the Bible. The problem with the Bible is what the Bible says. When people read the Bible and they read stories of the miraculous, they read that there was a global flood. They read that Jesus rose from the dead by himself. They read that there was 10 plagues that came on the Egyptians. They read it and they scoff. They, they don't look at the word of God the way a Christian would view the scriptures. And so there's this huge difference because we might share a story of a miraculous thing and be like, look, see, it's so obvious, it's so plain. And the person that we're talking to is saying the exact same thing. Look, see, it's so obvious, it's so plain. You are an idiot. And we're thinking, you're an idiot. And so there's a huge cultural bridge that uh, that takes place. And so what happens is we're building these strategies to reach people that assume a certain set of criteria, and that set of criteria makes the church totally irrelevant. It makes the church unable or ineffective to reach people. Now, I've said it before. I'll say it again many, many times. Of principles, there are few. Methods, there are many. Methods will change. Principles never do. There are things that we will never compromise. We will never compromise the Word of God. The message is sacred, but the methods are not. And so you're going to find that as you start to pay attention to the Two Rivers Leadership Podcast, you're going to hear ideas that are in conflict with what you might be hearing on other podcasts or from other churches or other ministries. 
that they will almost contextual they there's they make the method sacred so let me be clear the bible does not give a specific method most of the time the bible gives descriptive stories about how the church functioned in the context that it functioned in but the bible where the bible is prescriptive we will always be faithful to the word of god where the bible is descriptive we have the ability and i would even say we have the responsibility to contextualize so that we can better apply the gospel into the context that we are in. So let me say that again. Where the Bible is prescriptive, we are going to follow the word of God regardless of what our culture is doing. When the Bible says it's that we are to do something, we are commanded, we will obey as followers of Jesus. But where the Bible is descriptive, we are responsible to contextualize that method into our culture. So we may be doing something that looks different than what we see in Scripture, but the function of what it's accomplishing may be the same. So it's important to understand that there are many ministries in America that are not contextualizing the gospel, or if they are, it was contextualized into a different environment. And in fact, we may have churches in our area that are that are doing ministry based off of a specific model, but they may be targeting other believers. So our target is not to reach believers. We exist to see the world transformed by leading people to Jesus when I came to Two Rivers Church, one of the things that I said was, God, I am not interested in reaching people who are already reached. I want to reach people that are lost. So we built our strategy around Luke chapter 15. It is every story in Luke 15 is a story about lost things. The heart of Jesus, I believe, is reflected in seeking after his lost sheep, it's the lost coin, and it's the story of the prodigal son, his lost son, who was lost, but now he is found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And the return of that son to the father. And so uh, the context of how we do ministry is super important. Here we are in Binghamton, New York. And we have a radically shifting culture with regards to religious affiliation. In 2000, there were about 200,000, close to 220,000 people in Broome County. Of that number, about 50,000 or about 25% claimed no religious affiliation. Ten years later, by the 2010 census, we had around 100,000 people, or about 50% of the population, that claimed no religious affiliation whatsoever. Now, what we call that at Two Rivers Church, the people have no religious affiliation, I call them the unchurched. They have no 
biblical grounding. They're not even willing to say, yes, I check the box as a Christian or as a Catholic because I went to church on Christmas or I went to church on Easter. They're somewhat anti-God. If you want to have a good description of what's coming, read the book by David Kinnaman entitled Unchristian. He also has another book entitled You Lost Me. And so our culture here in Binghamton, in Broome County, is shifting. There's a, there is a trending dynamic for people not to become more religious affiliated, but to be uh, totally disassociated from the church. Well, I believe from 2010 to 2020 that that number, that percentage, that rate of growth will slow a little bit because I think some of this has to do with the age of our population, that the younger generation is the one that is the most prone to, to claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. And as the younger generation kind of assumes a greater proportion of our population here in Broome County, we're going to see a much higher rate. I think we could end up closer to 65 to 70% of our population on the 2020 population census that claim no religious affiliation. Well, this is really important for several reasons because uh, what is happening is that we are no longer playing on the home field. We no longer are talking to people who have a Christian worldview. When we talk about biblical stories, they do not have a context for that. They may have no understanding of the story of David and Goliath whatsoever. They may have no understanding of things that we say that we assume that everyone would know. It's almost almost like the church suffers from being in the church so much that we no longer understand our neighbors. And so there's a, there's a big issue with communication. We believe that preaching is a version of spiritual warfare, that how we preach, the ideas that we present, are, are, are set up to be in conflict with the ideas of this world. The God of this age has blinded the minds of men, and preaching is this moment where we present the truth of the gospel. And so if we are preaching in a way that we assume that people understand what we're talking about, we are wasting our time. So we have to contextualize what we're saying to a rapidly changing group of people. And we are everything that we're doing at Two Rivers Church is designed to kind of reach these unchurched people. We could target other Christians, and that's an old school philosophy. Maybe in the 80s and 90s, there's a whole bunch of churches that thought, okay, well, we're going to do cool church or we're going to do better church. So their idea was we're going to create better programs than the church down the street. We're going to hire in a better talent than the church down the street. And when we do that, these other Christians are going to kind of flock to our church, and our church is going to grow. But what's not happening is there's no kingdom growth. And I am dedicated that Two Rivers Church is going to focus on kingdom growth, that we're going to reach the unchurched. And so everything that we do at Two Rivers is designed for the, what I believe to be about 70%, and, and really if we think of it this way, 
I, I believe that you must be born again so that only about 8% of our population, as it stands right now, claims to be affiliated with an evangelical church. And what an evangelical church is, is a church that teaches salvation in Jesus Christ alone. So if you're going to go to heaven, it is because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's make no mistake, this is an interesting point. People, when you're talking to the unchurched, they will say, well, you believe that I will die and go to hell because I don't believe in Jesus. And that is a mischaracterization of what we believe because what we believe is that we will die and go to hell, every one of us, for our own sin. That we don't go to hell because we didn't believe in Jesus. We go to hell because we serve a just God. And every one of us has violated, has sinned against God. And not only have we sinned against God, but we have sinned against others. So none of us stands condemned for our lack of belief in Christ. We stand condemned for our sin because we are rightly or justly condemned. Well, we believe that. We believe that uh, Jesus, the good news of the gospel is that even though we are rightly, justly condemned, that God made a way for us back to him, that he has been pursuing us and that when we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we believe. Don't let anyone mischaracterize the goodness of the gospel to be somehow an uncaring, unloving God. So <clears throat> this 8% of our population that believes in Jesus Christ, that's a possibility. It may be that there are many people that claim affiliation with the, those evangelical churches uh, have never expressed faith in Christ. So I theorize that around 92% of our population here in Broome County is the one. So, so numbers-wise, we're talking about 180, maybe 187,000 people in our county. That doesn't count any of the counties around us. Just within Broome County itself, 187,000 people that if they had died apart from a gospel witness, apart from expressing faith in Jesus Christ, they will die condemned in their sin. And so we have to, we have to be radically sharp and radically focused. And so what that does is many Christians in our, I'll just be honest, in our environment, are very used to being served and not serving. And many Christians in our environment are, are built, have built, like they've come from churches that have built their strategy around making Christians feel comfortable. We're going to do better programs than the church down the street. And what that does is it kind of, if you are a sword, it makes the sword dull. It takes away the effectiveness of how Christians think the church ought to function. So our contextualization is that we as a church will do anything short of sin 
to reach lost people, to reach the unchurched. And we won't compromise anything in the gospel. We will not compromise any part of the word of God, but we will contextualize everything. We don't compromise anything, but we explain everything. So the the biggest thing that needs to happen as we are reaching the 92 to maybe 93% of our population is that we have to begin to understand why the unchurched are unchurched. We need to begin to understand their language and their their ways of thinking, and we need to begin to uh, have meaningful conversations that we need to sit down with unchurched people and begin to discover how the things that we say are perceived and then look for ways to be, be relevant. The Bible is full of stories from an agrarian culture. Not many of us are, grew up on farms anymore. And so we need to look for how do we share the truth of that scripture with someone who has never had a farming context or a farming background. So the challenge that we face also is that our culture is becoming hostile toward Christianity. We have this semi-political, quasi-Christian church political movement that's taking place. It's almost like the Republican Party has uh, hijacked the mission of the church to say, oh, we are, you know, some, you know, we're a political answer to a spiritual problem. And this is a whole different conversation, but we have to be aware as a church that we are not a political entity. We are a spiritual entity. We bring a spiritual solution that changes everything. And we are not going to solve this thing by politics, yet we exist in a polarized culture. We exist in a culture where it's difficult to talk about ideas from different backgrounds. And and so the church is being perceived negatively by people that are not in the church. The church is viewed as the enemy. And instead of loving our enemies, the church has responded poorly in America. The church has responded to the critiques of political positions with animosity, making other people the enemy. So we are perceived by them as their enemy. It creates a terribly difficult bridge to cross. So there's, there are just so many forces that are taking place. The idea of homosexuality in America has polarized the church and it has created a difficult road to walk because churches that believe and affirm that homosexuality is a sin, not the person, but the behavior. You can have a, an attraction to someone of the same sex that doesn't make you evil. It's just like any other person that has any other attraction that you want to have sex outside of marriage or whatever, whatever sexual sin. But the very idea that I'm that we in the church teach sexual sin is 
considered by many to be bigotry. It is considered to be uh, an unloving position. And so we have to bridge these gaps. We have to bridge these challenges as a church. We have to be, maintain faithfulness to the Word of God, loving people who may not love us, but we are going to do all that we can to reach the one. We're going to reach the unchurched. That's the challenge that we face in our culture. A, a church, uh, a culture that is rapidly moving away from a Christian worldview, a culture that is becoming hostile toward Christians, uh, maybe, maybe rightfully in some ways and maybe unjustly in other ways, and in a, a, a culture that does not believe in whether or not that the church is doing good. It used to be previously thought that the church was a good entity in society, and that, that perception is shifting in our culture today. So with all of that, it is possible that you have run into pastors or other Christians in our area here in the Northeast who are very discouraged, who are very uh, depressed because they do not believe that we can reach our culture. And I think it's because they're doing things the way they've always done them, hoping for different results. They're using methodologies that are from 150 years ago. They're confusing the message with the method. They believe that the method is sacred. They have confused the ability to look at those things that are uh, what we would call a uh, descriptive passage in Scripture, and they confuse a descriptive passage in Scripture as a prescriptive passage in Scripture. And so they are applying methods and strategies that aren't working, and there's many good ideas. You could listen to many other podcasts. You could listen to even churches in the South that are doing things and they're experiencing rapid success and tremendous growth. But those things may not be the right principles for the people that we are trying to reach. So we are going to be very clear that we are reaching the unchurched. We exist to see the world transformed by leading people to Jesus. We're going after the one. We're going after the lost sheep, and we're building our strategy around discovering what these people look like. Now, the, the personal challenge is to not believe the hype from other Christians in this area. Don't believe their message of discouragement. Do not believe what the devil would try to teach you and tell you about yourself, that you're too small, that you're too insignificant that you'll never amount to anything, that you will never make a difference, that you're not smart enough, that you're not capable enough, that you're not someone who can make an impact in our city, that the job is too big, look how small you are, you'll never overcome. But I want you to remember David, a shepherd boy, who saw Goliath, saw all the stats, how big Goliath was, the one who intimidated everyone, and David killed Goliath. He took out his slingshot, Goliath laughed at him, called him a dog, put him down, but David was willing to trust in his God. 
And God came through. And I believe that God will do that for us here in Binghamton. In a radically shifting culture, in a totally unchurched culture, with people that are hostile to Christianity, hostile to the church world, I believe that God will make us incredibly effective if we don't look at ourselves and write ourselves out of the equation. If we don't believe what the devil has to say, as we understand what the challenge is, it is so much greater to understand who our God is and that our God will lead us to victory. So you and I, as we face the challenge, there's an internal struggle and an external struggle. But always remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers in high places, that the enemy is not our neighbor. The enemy is Satan, and we will prevail. God bless you. Thank you for listening today about the challenge that we're facing. Uh, I am so excited about what God's going to do through you. The stories of the Goliaths, the stories of the giants that you are going to slay as we lead together as a team. Hey, Sue, I'm so glad that you tuned in and listened to this podcast. If you have any questions or any comments, I would love to hear from you and get any feedback that you might have or, or uh, comments that you might add to this discussion. You could email pastor at tworiversassembly.com. That's T-W-O, riversassembly.com. And, and just share with me what your thoughts are maybe something that I talked about that you you might be confused by or something that you want some clarification or maybe you you want to challenge some of the ideas that we've presented and I'd love to be able to kind of sit down with you and talk through those things and and hear what this impact is making in your life. God bless you. Have a great week.